to the Horns Diaspora podcast listeners. Uh, I am your host, Margayo Naspula. Uh, welcome to the third episode. The Horns Diaspora podcast discusses major unfolding events in the Horn of Africa that concern members of the diaspora communities. It also entertains the stories of people whose achievements are contributing to both their homelands and uh, hosting communities. Um, my guest today is Ambassador David H. Sheen a former U.S. ambassador to Ethiopia from 1996 uh, to 1999, and an adjunct professor of international affairs at the George Washington University. Uh, welcome to the third episode of the Hornets Diaspora podcast, Mr. Ambassador. Uh, thank you, Jonas. Happy to join you. Uh, yeah, in this episode, we are going to talk about uh, uh, his uh, ambassador's upcoming book, uh, The Political Crisis and uh, Planned Election in Ethiopia, and also its implication for the Horn region generally. Uh, let's start with uh, the book you are writing. Uh, this is not your first book. Uh, you have authored and co-authored several books, including a book titled China and Africa, A Century of Engagement, published in 2012, Historical Dictionary of Ethiopia, published in 2013, and Hizmet in Africa, The Activities and Significance of the Gulen Movement, published in 2015. Uh, would you mind, uh, sir, sharing our audience uh, about the gist of your upcoming book and when we expect to read it? The upcoming book is uh, another uh, account of China's engagement in Africa, but with a specific focus on the security engagement and the political engagement of China on the continent. A great deal has been written already on um, China's economic engagement with Africa. There's not a great deal more that can be said about that, quite frankly, but there has been much less said about its security and political engagement with a continent. So that will be the focus. It's a, um, a co-authored book. My um, co-author is um, Joshua Eisenman, who is at Notre Dame University, who is a specialist on China. Mm -hmm. And we hope to have the book out uh, by early, uh, very early next year. Uh, we're in the very final stages of uh, finishing the various chapters. Thank you. I wish you all the best uh, and I look forward uh, to share uh, with the audience. I look forward to read it as well. Um, uh, when Prime Minister Abiy came to power in 2018, uh, much promises was made regarding political, military and socio-economic reforms. Uh, many exiled political parties were returned to Ethiopia. Uh, the window to both political and media landscape were relatively wide open. Both local and international communities applauded the steps uh, PM Abiy took However, soon followed a war between the ruling party and the Oromo Liberation Army, which is the former military wing of Oromo Liberation Front, a political party fighting for the Oromo people's self-determination and who returned to Ethiopia on the invitation of Ethiopian government in September 2018. 
After two years of infighting, another war broke out between the ruling party and the Tigray People's Liberation Front, the dominant party that ruled Ethiopia for close to 30 years, along with other three regional-based political parties. Conflict based on uh, political ideologies and other ethnic or religious targeted ones continued to be the daily news of the country. Politicians who returned following the reform promise uh, and others uh, who were already operating in the country are now in prison. From your experience as an ambassador to Ethiopia and as someone closely following the internal politics of the country, uh, what is your take on the reform promises vis-a-vis -vis, uh, the country's current situation? Well, first, there was an enormous amount of optimism when, um, when, when Prime Minister Abiy Ahmed took uh, charge in Ethiopia, and particularly from a Western point of view, uh, his um, promises to enact democratic reforms in the country. Uh, the United States was very supportive of that, still is to the extent that there will be democratic reforms. But uh, not too long after he uh, was in charge in Ethiopia, some of the, the more negative trends started to develop again in the country. Uh, the whole issue of um, focus on ethnicity and various political groups uh, took root again uh, throughout Ethiopia, which caused uh, significant problems. And these are longstanding problems. They, they predate uh, Abiy Ahmed by, by millennia, not just decades, but they became much more serious. And of course, most pronounced in the case of um, the sort of breakaway effort by Tigray and the, the Tigrayan People's Liberation Front, uh, but also to some considerable extent, uh, differences among the Oromo. And I think a, a feeling by some Oromo that there wanted to be more um, emphasis on ethnic nationalism and other Oromo who wanted to see more federal control, more central government control. And that has led to um, some divisions uh, among the Oromo at this time and subsequently led to some arrests of, uh, of key Oromo leaders. The, the ethnic problems were not confined to just Tigray and Oromia. They extended um, uh, into uh, Benishangal, for example, where Amhara minorities that were living in the Benishangal area came under attack. Uh, some Amhara came under attack uh, as minorities in Oromia. Uh, there were renewed problems between Afar and Somali. Um, the, the whole nexus of issues that has been so much a part of uh, Ethiopian history has come back to haunt the country. And in my view, is the most serious threat to the future of Ethiopia at the present time, simply exemplified uh, at its worst in what has been going on and. Uh, in Tigray region uh, with the current conflict there. Uh, this is very worrisome. Um, I don't see a, a quick solution to it. Um, I'm, I, I just don't know how it's going to end or where it's going to end. But at some point, for the good of Ethiopia, it has to end. Um, very strong nationalistic ethnic politics is, I don't think, the future of the country. Um, there has to be a willingness to, to see yourself as Ethiopian 
And to act that way, uh, there can still be efforts to use one's own language. Um, there, there can be elements, cultural elements of, uh, of ethnicity that can remain very important. But as far as a, a political national entity is concerned, uh, I just see it as being a necessity to focus on the Ethiopianness of all of the different uh, ethnicities in the country. Uh, thank you, Mr. Ambassador. Um, you have uh, reflected on a very important point. Uh, one is also which often uh, cross my mind and uh, I look for an answer to. Um, for instance, uh, you also mentioned, and also it's in the public, that uh, the ethnic politics uh, is seen as a cause or root problem of the current situation, current problem in Ethiopia. And I ask myself sometimes, um, as far as we have ethnic groups in that country, that means we have ethnic politics. Is it the problem of ethnic politics or is it the problem of managing that ethnic politics? Well, that's a good question. And I'm not sure I have a, a really um, intelligent answer to it. I, I, I think that a lot of the, the issue goes back to so many years of a, of a focus on ethnicity in Ethiopia that it's just been very, very hard to break away from it. And to the extent that governments have gotten away from it at all, it's by using very authoritarian tactics. And that doesn't always work either. Uh, if you become too authoritarian, um, then you have uh, resentment build up among the people who are being told to do something that they don't particularly want to do. But there, there clearly are some societal issues here that are not unique to Ethiopia by any means, but they seem to be somewhat more pronounced in Ethiopia than in many other countries, even in many other African countries. Uh, I never, I lived in Tanzania, for example, for several years. Mm -hmm. I never saw the same kind of, of uh, ethnic responses in Tanzania that I have seen in, um, in Ethiopia. Um, I suppose you could argue that in a, in a country like Rwanda, you have something that is very similar, maybe even in Kenya, to some extent. The ethnicities are, are very strong in Kenya, maybe not quite as much so as in, in Ethiopia. But there, there are countries in Africa that have somehow managed to, to deal with the issue of ethnicity. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's just the, the luck of geography, the luck of culture, the luck of leadership. Uh, I don't know, uh, but what, whatever it is, Ethiopia has not yet found the answer to the problem. Mm -hmm. um, recently, uh, Ethiopian parliament uh, labeled uh, TPLF, that is Tigray People's Liberation Front, and uh, uh, what they call Shani, uh, other uh, refers to them, Oromo Liberation Army, uh, as a terrorist group. Um, in your view, what makes this designation different from what uh, previous regimes uh, did it to opposition political parties? Uh, for example, before the coming of Prime Minister Abiy, uh, OLF, uh, Oromo Liberation Front, and the Gimbot uh, Sabat were listed by parliament as a terrorist group. What is different now? Well, of course, in the, in the case of, uh, of the TPLF, the answer to that is very easy. The TPLF was essentially in power from 1991 until a couple of years ago. So they're, 
clearly the TPLF is not going to name itself uh, a terrorist organization. Uh, I'm not sure that there's any particular utility in doing that, quite frankly. Uh, it's very easy if you are in power to call someone out of power a terrorist organization, but to what purpose? Um, what are you solving by it? I, I have no particular uh, uh, concern about the future of the TPLF. Whatever the Ethiopian people decide to do uh, with the TPLF is up to them, including uh, Tigrayans. Uh, the TPLF, in my view, is not the issue, uh, nor is the armed wing of the um, Roma Liberation Front the issue. Uh, these are, are matters that have to be decided by Ethiopians themselves but I, I'm just not sure that anything is gained by declaring them as terrorist organizations. I have no idea today what kind of support there is in Tigray for the TPLF. Uh, there have been no polls. There have been very few uh, uh, independent observers who have been able to obtain any information about that. Uh, for all I know, the TPLF has lost a lot of its support. Maybe not. Maybe it still has support. The, but that's simply not the issue anymore. And, and that, in my view, should not be the focus of what is uh, going on in, um, in the government of Ethiopia today. Uh, the idea should be to try to make those decisions that incorporate the maximum number of followers from all the different ethnic groups, Oromo, uh, Tigrayan, Somali, uh, Beni Shango, whomever they happen to be, and, and not uh, identify groups as being on the outside or being beyond the pale, as you, as you do once you identify someone as a terrorist group. President uh, Biden's special envoy for the Horn of Africa, Mr. Jeffrey Feldman, visited Ethiopia and Eritrea from May 4 to uh, May 13. He reportedly met with leaders of the country and received notes from political opposition leaders, such as Professor Marra Gudina, concerning political unrest in the Oromia regional state. And the reason uh, his party, the Oromo Federalist Congress, pulled out of the election also was uh, clarified in that note. Um, in a statement issued by a U.S. Embassy in Ethiopia on May 14th, it noted also that the U.S. is concerned about increasing political and ethnic polarization throughout the country and the atrocities being perpetrated in Tigray and the scale of humanitarian emergency as deplorable. Uh, to end the conflict, uh, ceasefire providing assistance withdrawing Eritrean troops from Ethiopia and reaching on national consensus were stated as precondition. Uh, four days after the special envoy's visit, uh, Ethiopian government issued a statement making clear that uh, there should be no national dialogue that involves uh, Tigrayan People's Liberation Front, and it utterly rejects the repeated call by partners to cease hostilities and negotiate with TPLF. What could be the result of such disagreements between Ethiopian government and uh, foreign states, including the USA, 
uh, on political stability of the country and the horn at large? Well, I think the United States government and, um, and indeed Special Envoy Feltman do see the, the problem in Ethiopia today is going far beyond Tigray and basically see it in, in a sense the way I was describing earlier, that it's a much broader problem of a focus on ethnicity throughout the country, not, not just in Tigray. And you have to look at all elements of the ethnic issues in Ethiopia. You can't isolate uh, Tigray from the problem. If you solve, even if you solve the problem in Tigray, uh, there are ongoing problems in Oromia, Benishango, Somali region, Afar, etc. Uh, so I think that's a correct approach to, uh, to looking at Ethiopia today. Uh, again, I, I think there's an overemphasis by the, uh, the government in Ethiopia today to focus on the TPLF rather than the needs and the concerns of the Tigrayan people. Put the TPLF aside. Uh, they're clearly out of power for the time being anyway. Mm -hmm. um, but there are needs, uh, serious humanitarian needs, by the Tigrayan people. And they need to be taken care of. Uh, they're undergoing a horrible situation at the moment. And that's where the focus needs to be. As far as the, um, the Eritrean involvement here, I see that as very unhelpful. Uh, I, I can't imagine what most Ethiopians think that Eritrea is going to be able to contribute in a positive sense uh, to the future of Ethiopia. Um, it, it just strikes me as, as being ill-advised. Uh, President Isaias has made very clear for decades now that he totally disagrees with the concept of ethnic federalism. He believes in a highly centralized, highly autocratic, um, centralized government. He thinks that Ethiopia ought to follow the same pattern. He has no use whatsoever for any kind of um, uh, local uh, control or any kind of, of ethnic federalism, however weak it might be. And he's made that very clear. He had those disagreements under Malaz Zanawi. And I, I think he sees uh, the situation in, in Ethiopia as being more to his liking today, um, perhaps a greater willingness towards more central control. But he, he just is not willing to accept any kind of, uh, of, of ethnic um, uh, engagement um, at the local level and in a neighboring country. And, if I, you know, I'm not an Ethiopian, obviously, but if I were Ethiopian, I guess my inclination would be, uh, you know, that's fine, but you take your philosophy and leave it in Eritrea. Don't, don't try to export your, um, uh, your ideology to Ethiopia. We have our own thoughts, our own way of doing business, and let us decide on our own how we're going to proceed with our own governance. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, we'll come later briefly to talk about Eritrean involvement, especially about withdrawal of uh, military forces from Ethiopia. In opposition to what Ethiopian government calls meddling in internal affairs, uh, there were reportedly calls on social media for demonstration uh, in front of foreign embassies, including the U.S. embassy in, in Ethiopia. Um, a political figure uh, like Mr. Andergacho Sige was quoted uh, that he would not hesitate to burn the American flag in front of the U.S. embassy. Uh, and the embassy urged its citizens uh, to be cautioned in moving about the city. 
Uh, how do you see uh, the said to be planned demonstration and the statement issued by the U.S. Embassy? I'm not really sure if you have experienced it during your tenure, uh, but I would like to hear your take also on this. Well, obviously protests in front of American embassies are a fairly common, common phenomenon around the world. Uh, this would not be the first time or the last time that it happened in, in Addis Ababa or many other capital cities. I think the embassy is quite correct in, in issuing a warning to its citizens. It would be a derelict if it did not uh, to take care. Uh, I don't know how much um, following uh, the people have who are proposing to protest in front of the embassy and burn the American flag. That all strikes me as rather silly. What what is the uh, what is the point of burning the American flag for? I'm I'm not even quite sure I understand the connection uh, between U.S. policy and any reason for burning the American flag. But if these people want to be silly in that regard, that's their business. Let them be silly. Uh, as far as um, any sort of threat to the American embassy, anyone who knows the arrangement for the American embassy in Addis Ababa, it's on a walled compound. There's no way that protesters are going to get inside. So there's no real threat to embassy personnel per se. Um, and business will go on as usual. And if, if there is a protest, there'll be a certain amount of publicity about it. And that'll probably be the end of it. But uh, you have to ask yourself, what's the purpose of it? What exactly are they protesting? Uh, that's not even totally clear to me. So I, I see this, uh, frankly, as being a bit of a tempest in a teapot and I suspect that it will not have a very wide following. Mm -hmm. um, um, well, they have been uh, mentioning or stating just uh, from what I've been uh, reading online, um, interference in uh, or meddling in, in internal affairs of Ethiopia. First, uh, I was asking myself, um, is asking a ceasefire, national consensus, national dialogue, uh, could be considered uh, in meddling internal affairs or in your view, what constitutes uh, meddling in internal affairs? Well, that's a fair question. And I suppose uh, everyone has a different definition of what constitutes meddling. The United States is, uh, is fairly generous with its criticism of many countries around the world on frequent occasion. And certainly uh, Ethiopia has has been at the brunt of some of that criticism over the years. Uh, whether that is, quote, meddling, unquote, or not, um, really depends. It's all in the eyes of the beholder. Mm -hmm. uh, it's the position of the United States. And it's an effort to try to encourage Ethiopia to take a position that the United States thinks uh, would put it in better standing, not only with the international community, uh, but might even be helpful in terms of helping to resolve problems inside Ethiopia. Although obviously there are Ethiopians who disagree with that. Uh, we have protests almost every month in Washington in front of the State Department by Ethiopian groups who are protesting American policy um, uh, here in the United States. And we don't uh, try to prevent them. We obviously don't allow them to run through the halls of the State Department, but they're perfectly welcome to come protest. Uh, that's part of our, our system, part of our way of governance. Um, I, I really 
I don't see this as a major problem. I see it as a very normal kind of interaction between the United States and uh, Ethiopia or any other country around the world. of May, uh, the American Senate passed a new uh, resolution uh, calling on the uh, government of Eritrea to immediately and fully withdraw its military forces from Ethiopia. Uh, there have been several such calls by international communities, uh, whether by European Union or even by US in, in the past. Um, how far do you think this resolution could influence the call for withdrawal of uh, Eritrean military forces in Ethiopia? Well, ultimately, the decision rests um, with the, the prime minister in Ethiopia and, and his government. Uh, they're in a position for making the decision uh, whether there are Eritrean troops in the country or not. And Prime Minister uh, Abi has said, I think it was back in March, that he had asked the Eritrean forces to depart they have obviously not departed yet, and I can only assume that he was not serious when he made that comment. Otherwise, they would be gone. Uh, or if he did ask them to leave and they haven't left, then you have to ask, is he in charge of the entire country? Mm -hmm. So one of two things is going on. Either one, uh, he wants them there. Or two, he's not in complete charge uh, of all of Ethiopia. And one way or the other, uh, it's his responsibility. It's not uh, President Isaiah's responsibility. If Isaiah has uh, the welcome mat open to him in uh, Ethiopia, and he finds it in his interest to utilize that welcome mat, uh, he will do so. And that's where we are. It is what it is. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, that is that is a very interesting uh, reflection. Um, uh, it's also a worry both sides if he needs them to be there, or if uh, he's not in power. Uh, that's both signals, um, red lights for 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 Ethiopian uh, society. Um, uh, Eritrean and Ethiopian government have not yet also fully resolved their border issues. Uh, which arose uh, during the war from 1998 to 2000. The center and western sector of the border have not uh, been yet demarcated, and it remained a no peace and no war uh, spot for over a decade. Since Prime Minister Abiy came to power, the relationship between the two countries appears to be normalized. Uh, do you think the border issue could be a potential, another potential for another conflict if it's not resolved it soon? Well, yes, it, it not only has the potential for being the source of another conflict, but I would say there's a very good chance that will happen uh, if, if it's not regularized. Now, obviously most of the blame for a failure to demarcate that border falls upon the EPRDF government uh, and the government in Eritrea. 
uh, they had uh, from 1991 and until um, 1998 to do something about that border, and they failed to do anything about it. They, they left it um, as an undecided um, uh, element in the relationship, and it, it worked very much to their disadvantage after war broke out. Uh, the Abe government has not had very long to deal with it. I don't, I can't really see that I would blame the Abe government for fail, failure to resolve it. They haven't, they've had plenty of other um, uh, issues to deal with, and they haven't had that much time to resolve the border issue, but it clearly needs to be resolved on the ground. Uh, there, it needs to be demarcated so that everyone knows where the border is and they accept that border. Uh, once that is done, then you have largely, not entirely, but largely eliminated the possibility of conflict based upon a misunderstanding as to who is in control of some of these small bits of territory along the Eritrea-Tigrayan uh, border and FR border. Uh, so yes, it is an issue of concern. Uh, I don't see it getting resolved at the moment because there's too much focus on on what is happening inside the, all of uh, Tigray and, and trying to resolve that problem and particularly the humanitarian crisis there at the moment. But it's one of the very first things that should be done once uh, the government of Ethiopia gets control of the humanitarian crisis in Tigray. Um, after three postponements uh, from its original plan in May 2020, uh, Ethiopia is about to hold general election. Um, election will not be conducted, of course, in Tigray because of the war. Uh, and uh, in some parts of Oromia, uh, particularly where there are conflicts also, there will not be an election. Uh, political parties such as the OLF, Oromo Liberation Front, and Oromo Federalist Congress have boycotted the election on the ground that uh, lack of political stability in the region and their members' distinction and uh, office closure. What could be the outcome of this uh, election, considering all these factors we talked about, uh, political instability in the, in the, in the country and uh, the willingness uh, to hold free and fair election? Well, first, uh, I think the elections need to go forward. Um, I, I'm not sure that anything is gained at this juncture by further postponements. But having said that, it's very hard to be optimistic that this election is going to decide very much. Uh, nevertheless, we need to wait and see, see what the voter turnout is, see what, what regions are able to vote, and which ones are not, you know, what the percentage of the, of the turnout is, and then judge uh, as to whether this election has any meaning or not. I mean, we all know the history of elections in Ethiopia since 1991, there's only one that came close to being a relatively free and fair election. That was in 2005. Uh, the others have not been very productive elections. Uh, I have a great deal of faith in, in uh, Madame Bertukan, who is in charge of the National Electoral Board. And, and I think from a technical standpoint, if there's anyone who can set up an election in a meaningful way, she can probably do it. But there are so many other factors running against a good election at this point that it's, it's hard to be optimistic about it. But as I say, I don't, I don't see any point in postponing it any longer. Have it, look at the results, and then decide what does it mean, if anything.
when when we talk about uh, Horn of Africa diaspora, uh, there are uh, both who support uh, the, the regime in their respective countries, like Ethiopia and Eritrea, and also there are those who oppose uh, them. Uh, most of them are uh, known for advocacy and lobbying on political and social uh, socio-economic affairs of uh, their uh, land of origin. Um, how do you see their role from the perspective of what we talked so far, especially uh, the political situation in Eritrea and, and, and in Ethiopia? Well, I think the, the Ethiopian diaspora, which has always been divided, it was certainly divided during the EPRDF period where there were, uh, in the United States anyway, far more critics of the EPRDF than there were supporters of it. Uh, but it's also been divided, I think, um, during the Abiy government, although at the outset, uh, there was a lot of unity in the, United, in the diaspora in the United States uh, in favor of Abiy. I think uh, Abiy has subsequently lost a lot of that, of that support. The, um, the diaspora has been important during elections because it has provided a lot of um, funding for, for different political parties in the country. Um, I, I don't have a good feeling by how the diaspora is perceived by Ethiopians living in Ethiopia. I, I suspect that there are a lot of Ethiopians in the country who don't really have that much use for the diaspora. They, their thinking is, we're living here, we're experiencing the goodness and maybe the not so goodness of, of what the government is providing. People in the, in the diaspora are not. They're outside and therefore they're in a different category. So I, I have a suspicion that the the Ethiopians inside the country have a rather different perception of the diaspora than the diaspora has of itself. But it, it nevertheless is an important component of, of Ethiopian society. And there's a lot of contact uh, back and forth uh, by uh, social media, by visits back to Ethiopia. And a lot of that is very helpful. Uh, the, the diaspora has been very good about investing in the country. Uh, I think it was helpful in raising funds for the Grand Ethiopian Renaissance Dam. Uh, so there have been some, some very positive elements of the diaspora. But on the, on the political side, uh, in many cases, it has contributed to a lot of the ethnicity problems that I was talking about earlier. And the one part of the diaspora that has really worried me, uh, particularly in recent months, has been the hate speech that I'm seeing coming from the diaspora. That is awful stuff. I don't care who is doing it or what their cause is. Mm -hmm. To be using that kind of hate speech um, in social media is does no one any good. And it's just going to lead to more and more problems down the line. If, if there were any message I could send uh, in this interview, it is please eliminate or at a minimum tone down the hate speech. It serves no useful purpose. Uh, it's, it's time to try to pull together to, to identify areas where there's agreement uh, rather than to emphasize the areas of division in Ethiopia. And right now I see not only the diaspora, but even inside Ethiopia, too much focus on division Mm -hmm. and not enough on pulling together. 
Yeah, I hope uh, our uh, listeners uh, will take a lot of things that we talked here and also those who are on hate speech and disinformation and misinformation uh, will listen to your message. Um, I thank you, Mr. Ambassador, again, uh, for sharing your thoughts, expertise, experience. Uh, this is uh, very uh, important for uh, this episode. I really thank you again. No, I, I appreciate um, responding to your questions. And I, I do want to emphasize that all of my responses are, are given in the context of being a friend of Ethiopia. Uh, even though I can be critical of, of some policies, and I am from time to time, yeah. uh, I try to be constructive. And I, I truly am a friend of Ethiopia, all Ethiopians, not any particular group. And that's, that's hard to do in the current environment. Um, these days, you are, are seen as a, um, as a friend of one group or another, it seems, and there isn't much ability to, to try to see through all of the, um, the criticism and the hate that is, is going on around the country. But uh, I'll continue to try to do that, um, whether it works or not, who knows. Yeah, I mean, uh, you are on board, you are writing a book. I'm going to look forward to read it. You are engaged in uh, political, social, economic issues of the Horn. I wish you all the best and also Godspeed on, on, on your endeavor. Thank you very much and good luck to you and your PhD program. Thank you, sir. I wish you a good afternoon. Okay. the Hornets Diaspora podcast audience. I love to hear and or read your responses under this podcast's YouTube channel and on Facebook under the Hornets Diaspora. Please also do not forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel. Until I get back to you with the next episode, I would like to say for now, goodbye.